you, Heavenly Father God. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the benefits, Lord God, that you, Lord, you bring to us, Lord. Thank you for the benefits of salvation. Thank you for the benefits of, of fellowship with you. Thank you, Father, for our love that you put in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the benefits of having the Holy Spirit help. The Holy Spirit helps us. Thank you, Father, for giving us everything in the world through the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for fire. We thank you for water. We thank you for love. We thank you for your word. And be with us as we raise this word to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing your word in our lives, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor. You honor us as we seek your presence, Lord. Thank you for this Bible study. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 through 52. Here we go. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Elijah, Elijah no, Ahijah, the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest, Ahijah, was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitob, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina, Sene. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the other one, the one on the south was in front of Giva. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or, or only a few. <clears throat> Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat him, defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, <clears throat> they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the man from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come on up here, and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. Kill, kill those who come behind me. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about a half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah and Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistine began to melt away, in every direction. Call the roll and find out who's missing, Saul ordered, and when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted to Ahiyah, Bring the ephod here, for all for at the time Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was taking talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder, so Saul said to the priest, Never mind, let's get going. Then Saul and all his men rushed out in the battle and find the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul and Jonathan and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase 
when they saw the Philistines running away, so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Bet Aven. Now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day because Saul had placed them under an oath, saying, Let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. But Jonathan had not heard his father's commands, and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, Your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is worrying, weary and faint. My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have eaten this little bit of honey? If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines we could have killed. They chased and killed the Philistines all day from Micmash to Aihalon, growing more and more faint. That evening they rushed for the battle plunder and butchered the sheep, goats, cattle, and calves, but they ate them without draining the blood. Someone reported Saul, look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that still has blood in it. <clears throat> that is very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over here. Then go out among the troops and tell them, bring the cattle, sheep, and goats here to me. Kill them here and drain the blood before you eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with the blood still in it. So that night, all the troops brought their animals and slaughtered them there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, We'll do whatever you think is best. But the priest said, Let's ask God first. So Saul asked God, Shall we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Then Saul said to the leaders, Something's wrong. I want all my army commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. I vow by the name of the Lord who rescued Israel that the sinner would surely die, even if it is my own son, Jonathan. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan and I will stand over here and all of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, whatever you think is best. Then Saul prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, please show us who is guilty and who is innocent. Then they cast sacred lots, and Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones, and the people were clear innocence. Then Saul said, Now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan, and Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. Tell me what you have done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted. It was only a little bit on the end of my stick. Does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan said. Saul said, you must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you do not die for this. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it. As surely as the Lord lives, no one hair of his head will be touched. For God helped him to do a great deed today. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Then Saul called back the army from chasing the Philistines, and the Philistines returned home. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, he fought against his enemies in every direction, against Moab, Ammon, Edom, and the kings of Zobah and the Philistines, and wherever he turned, he was victorious. He performed great deeds and conquered the Amalekites, saving Israel from all those who had plundered them. Saul's son included Jonathan, Ishbosheth, and Malkishua. He also had two daughters, Merev, Merav, who was the older, and Michal, Michal. Saul's wife was Ahinoam, 
the daughter of Ahimaaz, the commander of Saul's army with Abner, the son of Saul's uncle Ner, Saul's father Kish, and Abner's father. Ner was the boss. Ner were both sons of Abiel. The Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines through all Saul's lifetime. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted into his army. Okay, what did you get out of this? Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's amazing. Nothing. Seems like uh, Jonathan knew the history and knew the presence. He was very close to the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, I like the way the man said do what you think is best. It yeah. would seem to be a, a, a formal reply from the yes. soldiers. And, and I like the way he did. Um, again, over here up at the, in number 11, or past 11, 12, it, it says, come on, climb right behind me. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. And it's amazing how all this, um, that the Philistines fell before the him and the armor bearer and killed those who came behind them. But it says, suddenly panic broke, broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties, and just an earthquake happened, and everyone was so scared and confused. And, I mean, it, it had to be the Lord um, helping them. You know. So that's right. When uh, we take little actions, uh -huh. you know, in God's will, uh, the Lord uh, sends us reinforcements and yeah. starts helping us. Amen. The, you know, the, it will be a sign that he will help us defeat him. So, you know, signs, you know, according to this, signs and, uh, and the Lord is speaking to them. Yeah. You know, it, with... Uh, I mean, it's awesome. It said, Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army, okay, vast has been just a, a lot of uh, multitudes or whatever, huge, um, of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Amazing. Amen. Well, the Lord caused, yeah. the first time I see it, that and just then an earthquake struck when they were all... Mm -hmm. You know, the Lord hit the earthquake just in time. Everyone was terrified. Yeah. I mean, that is spooky. And then again, you know, here, if you go in 20, it said, okay, while Saul was, well, a little bit before that, but while, while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in Philistine camp grew louder and louder. Louder and louder. There was so much confusion. You know, even though there's so many of them. And then in 20, it says, Then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. It's kind of like the same thing that um, happened in, in Jehoshaphat when they were, mm -hmm. like Pastor Prince was just talking about that. They were killing each other. Remember? Mm -hmm. He was saying that this morning. Um, so... With all the confusion, they were killing each other. You know, uh, right here on 29, it says, uh, My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. <laughs> A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am? Yeah. You know, uh, it sounds like he was a great, great, you know, leader and follower. Apparently, Saul must have been drinking, because these are exactly what a alcoholic would, would do, this kind of, you know. Uh, sentiment decisions, you know, that it's all about, like he says, my enemies, full revenge on my enemies. He doesn't say full revenge on Israel's enemies. You know, it looks like right away it's oh, interesting. a lot of pride, you know, pride that it's all about me. Those are alcoholic, uh, yeah. you know, but uh, 
Jonathan just has a complete, you know, just an amazing uh, warrior. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that, um, you know, it's like if you're a leader, get God's wisdom for the situations. You know, it's like, why was this oath necessary? And why say that let the curse fall and let somebody die over that? You know, here these guys are out there. They're really tired. You know, they need they need some nourishment. But Jonathan says, Jonathan didn't hear that. So technically, but then over here it says, you know, like you said, a command like that only hurts us. So it says, my father's made trouble for us all, Jonathan explained. A command like that hurts us. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, you know, in the... When you're leading people, you gotta be like, I mean, you gotta get God's wisdom on situations. It seems to me, because that that did not help their their energy levels or their you know, but them being fatigued, you know, for the work that they were needing to do. It's just like I think it's right. I think it's pride. It's like, oh, today everybody says just just not eat today, you know. So it's a little bit foolish, I think. All right, let me go to John 7, 31, 53. John 7, verses 31 to 53. It says, Many among the crowds at the temple believed in Jesus. After all, they said, Would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than the man has, this man has done? When the Pharisees heard that the crowds were whispering such things, they and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus told them, I will be with you only a little longer, then I will return to the one who sent me. You will search for me, but not find me, and you cannot go where I'm going. The Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement. Where is he planning to go? They asked if he's thinking of leaving the country. And going to the Jews in other lands, maybe he will even teach the Greeks. What does he mean when he says, You will search me, but not find me, and you cannot go where I'm going? On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who will be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, Surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scripture clearly says that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? We have never heard anyone speak like this, the guards responded. Have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us, a rulers or Pharisees, who believe in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. The Nicodemus, the teacher who had met Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is giving a hearing? He asked. They replied, are you from Galilee too? (laughs) Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. Amen. Okay, let's just speak about this. Um, Apparently, Jesus' voice, whatever he said, had great weight. With the Jewish leaders were puzzled by the statement, where is he planning to go? Mm-hmm. You know, they were terrified of their, you know, their position taken away and their, their earnings, like a union. Uh-huh. You try to mess with the Teamsters Union and break up their, 
people, it's like communism, you know. Those guys had it together and they had guards and stuff. I mean, they're supposed to be the, can you imagine if the Catholic priests had guards and stuff and says, hey, and they, and they treat people roughly and arrest people and so forth. This is, uh, and I like what it says, uh, the rivers of living water will Amen. flow from, not from the belly, <clears throat> but from the heart. Amen. He was speaking of the Spirit who was given uh-huh. to everyone believing in Him. Right. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into His yeah. glory. I like the way it says glory of John 17. <clears throat> okay. And the bottom, they also didn't know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So, okay, uh, reading the praying the Psalms. We pray for believers around the world, enduring against the kingdom of darkness. We ask God to hear their prayers and save them because of his unfailing love. Let's pray for believers. Lord, we just pray, Lord God, that you're the shepherd of believers. We ask you to protect them. You're, the, you're their warrior, Lord. Protect, Lord, the people all around the world, Lord, that are fighting against the forces of darkness, Lord. Give them, Lord God, just like you gave Jonathan, Lord. Give them reinforcements and signs that you're there with them, Lord. Amen. Amen. Psalm 109, 1 to 31. Would you like to read it? Sure. Um, 109, yeah. Okay. Uh, God, oh God. Our God, whom I praise, don't stand silent and aloof, while the wicked slander me and tell lies about me. They surround me with hateful words and fight against me for no reason. I love them, but they try to destroy me with accusations, even as I'm praying for them. They repay evil for good and hatred for my love. They say, get an evil person to turn against them. Send an accuser to bring him to trial when his case comes up for judgment. Let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. Let his ears be few. Let someone else take his position and his wife a widow. No, it says, um, may his children become fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander as beggars and be driven from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he's earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. May all his offspring die. May May his family name be blotted out in a single generation. May the Lord never forget the sins of his fathers. May his mother's sins never be erased from the record. May the Lord always remember these sins, and may his name disappear from human memory. For he refused all kindness to others. He persecuted the poor and needy, and he hounded the brokenhearted to death. He loved to curse others. Now you curse him. He never blessed others. Now don't you bless him. No, now you don't you bless him. Cursing is as natural to him as his clothing or the water he drinks or the rich food he eats. Now may his curses return and cling to him like clothing. Clothing. Or the water he drinks or the rich food he eats. Now may his curses return and cling to him. I think I read it again. Sorry about that. May his curses return and cling to him like clothing. May they be tied around him like a belt. And may those curses become the Lord's punishment. For my accusers who speak evil of me. But deal well with me, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your own reputation. Rescue me because you're so faithful and good. For I am poor and needy and my heart is full of pain. I'm fading like a shadow at dusk. I'm brushed off like a locust. My knees are weak from fasting, and I am skin and bones. 
I'm a joke to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. Help me, O Lord, my God. Save me because of your unfailing love. Let them see that this is your doing, that you yourself have done it, Lord. Then let them curse me if they like, but you will bless me. When they attack me, they will be disgraced, but I, your servant, will go right on rejoicing. May my accusers be closed with disgrace. Disgrace, may their humiliation cover them like a cloak. But I will give repeated thanks to the Lord, praising him to everyone. For he stands beside the needy, ready to save them from those who condemn them. Amen. Amen. Okay, Proverbs 15, 5 to 7 says, Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. There is treasure in the house of the godly, but the earnings of the wicked bring trouble. Wow, there is treasure in the house of the godly, but the earnings of the wicked bring trouble. The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. Amen. Today is May 13. A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. Proverbs 13.2 Wise words will win you a good meal, but treacherous people have an appetite for violence. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. The godly hate lies, the wicked cause shame and disgrace. Godliness guards the path of the blameless, but the evil are misled by sin. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened. The life of the godly is full of light and joy, but the light of the wicked will be snuffed out. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. He who respects a command will succeed. The instructions of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person is headed for destruction. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn their evil to attain them. Turn from evil. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Trouble chases sinners, while blessings reward the righteous. Good people have an inheritance to their, leave an inheritance to their children grandchildren but the sinners good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren but the sinners wealth passes to the godly amen a first a poor person's farms may produce much food but injustice sweeps it all away those who spare the rod of of discipline hate their children those who love their children care enough to discipline them The godly eat to their heart's content, but the belly of the wicked goes hungry. Amen. Psalm 43. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against this ungodly people. Rescue me from those unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. 
Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my heart, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Amen. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't even have trouble like other people. They do not, they are not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jewel necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts desire or could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only on evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, anyone enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I try to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them in slippery path and send them slinging over the hill to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me in a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My help may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, but you, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. I will go and tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. 74, we go to Psalm, actually that was Psalm, okay, Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. The Lord gives instructions and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is a great as the height of the heavens above the earth he has removed our sins 
as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is the father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that, that we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass and wildflowers that bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone. And though we had never been there now, but the Lord, but the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to his children's children. Of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments, the Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you army of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Amen. Now we go to Psalm 133, I believe. That's correct. Yes. 133 verse 1. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and unto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. Amen. Samuel chapter 12, uh, verse 16, where it says, Now stand here and see the great things that the Lord is about to do. And then Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain at the time when thunder and rain was not the season for it. It just amazed everybody that a man could speak to God and change the elements. Another uh, interesting thing is when Samuel was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 42 years. He reigned for 42 years. So when King David took over, King David must have been, well, of course, we know that he hunted King David for about 20 years. But there was a lot of years there where David was uh, serving King Saul before Saul threw the javelin at him. Anyway, another thing that's really interesting about this reading that we just read on today's May 12th is the fact that uh, on, on chapter 11, there was 300,000 men from Israel that went to battle and they fought against the uh, Ammons or something like that, that uh, on the east side of the river, <clears throat> the Ammonites. And defeated them. And now when he summons, he summons the other people over here. Uh, they, uh, he only picks, he picks 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sends the rest of the men home. He took 2,000 of them with him and 1,000 with, with his son, Jonathan. And then I guess if after seven days, of the, the the other the opposing team the Philistines just said that there were so many of them that uh, it was like sand on the on the on the floor on the desert so many of the enemies so no wonder the all the other troops were trembling like crazy over here they were said there was only six hundred left of the Israelites with with Saul and Jonathan um, but surely. It's amazing how this one race of Israelites would uh, depend so much on the Lord to deliver them and to get them through incredible odds. Anyway, and then uh, talking about Jesus in chapter 7, 
uh, it talks about that uh, that Jesus' brothers didn't even believe in him. And it's amazing that they didn't believe because his brother said, uh, the, leave here and go to Judea. And this is John chapter 7, verse 2, 3. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. So it's amazing, amazing. They, they saw his miracles and what he did, but they, they still had a reserve of unbelief in him. You know, that is uh, boggles the imagination, how, you know, a disrespect to the Lord's work and obvious things in front of you. That shows, that shows how unbelief is such a sin. Uh, the sin of mockery and uh, condemnation and criticizing and judgment blocks belief. Belief is tender. Belief is like a little child. Belief loves good, lets go, enjoys what is right. And it just boggles the imagination that people will, will like Jesus said, the Lord was marvel at their unbelief. Okay, doke. So with that, uh, and I always enjoy uh, listening how Jesus went to the to the festival of shelters, and he tells the people, "My message is not from my own; it comes from God, who sent me." Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. So there again, have wanting glory for yourself, uh, avoids the... Uh, Wanting glory for yourself, you don't give credit to the miracles of God because you want the attention. You, you're just like Satan, your father. You want to be worshipped. You want the credit instead of passing it on that we are a created being and our credit and mercy belongs to the Father of lights. But it's interesting to see that anyone with a willing heart who wants to do the will of God, anyone with a with a belief that they know in their hearts that <clears throat> they use their will appropriate to know the will of the Father and that's how easy they pick up the will of the Son and they merge them together right in this passage to <clears throat> so the ones who were open to God's will easily be believed in Jesus And it's amazing how much courage Jesus had. They were trying to hold him, but he showed himself. Psalms 107 talks about how God, when he spoke and he raised the waves from these fishermen. And it's amazing how the first Psalm, Psalm 107, declares the... Uh, the, the things that God has done in Psalm 108, you know, they, they were disconnected. In the Old Testament, there weren't numbers like this. It's just, my heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises with all my heart. You know how his heart is confident? It's because he has just recounted how many times the Lord has delivered the nation of Israel. And if I recount how many times the Lord has delivered me, my heart will be confident in God. And my heart will sing His praises with joyful heart. I will thank the Lord among the people. I will sing His praises. For His unfailing love is higher than the heavens. His faithfulness reaches to the clouds. I will rejoice in the Lord and what He has done and what He's continued to do. Amen. Gentle words are a tree of life. Praise the Lord for His words. Amen. May 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. 
Then Samuel addressed all Israel, I have done as you ask and given you a king. Your king is now your leader. I stand here before you an old gray-haired man, and my sons serve you. I have served as your leader from the time I was a boy to this very day. Now, testify against me in the presence of the Lord and before his anointed one, whose ox or donkey have I stolen? I ever, have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe or perverted justice? Tell me and I will make right whatever I have done wrong. No, they replied, you have never cheated us or oppressed us, and you have never taken even a single bribe. The Lord and his anointed one are my witnesses today, Samuel declared, that my hands are clean. Yes, he is a witness, they replied. It was the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, Samuel continued. He brought your ancestors out of the land of Egypt. Now stand here quietly before the Lord, as I remind you of all the great things the Lord has done for you and your ancestors. When the Israelites were in Egypt and cried out to the Lord, he sent Moses and Aaron to rescue them from Egypt and to bring them into this land. But the people soon forgot about the Lord, their God, so he handed them over to Sisera, the commander of Hazor's army, and also to the Philistines and to the kings of Moab, who fought against them. Then they cried to the Lord again and confessed, We have sinned by turning away from the Lord and worshiping the images of Baal and Ashtoreth. But we will worship you and you alone if you will rescue us from our enemies. Then the Lord sent Gideon, the Don, Jephthah, and Samuel to save you, and you lived in safety. But when you were afraid of Nahash, the king of Ammon, you came to me and said that you wanted a king to reign over you, even though the Lord your God was already your king. All right, here is the king you have chosen. You asked for him, and the Lord has granted your request. Now, if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. Now stand here and see the great things the Lord is about to do. You know that it does not rain at this time of the year during the wheat harvest. I will ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking the Lord for a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. Pray to the Lord your God for us, or we will die, they all said to Samuel. For now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel, reassure them you have certainly done wrong. But make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. But if you continue to sin, you and your king will be swept away. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 42 years. Saul selected 3,000 special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of them men home. He took 2,000 of the chosen men with him to Michmash, and the hill country of Bethel, the other 1,000 men with Saul's son, Jonathan, to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. 
Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of Philistines at Gibeah. The news spread quickly among the Philistines. Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land, saying, Hebrews, hear this. Rise up in revolt. All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Gibeah, and that the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. So the entire Israelite army was summoned to join Saul at Gilgag. The Philistine mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grain of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash, east of Bet Aven. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgag, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet him and welcomed him. But Samuel said, What is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my man scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash, ready for battle. So I said, The Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgag, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. <clears throat> How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Have you kept it? Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord had already appointed him to be the leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Samuel then left Gilgag and went on his way, but the rest of the truth went with Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgag to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the men who were still with him, he found only 600 were left. Saul and Jonathan and the troops with them were staying at Giba in the land of Benjamin. The Philistines set up their camp at Michmash. Three raiding parties soon left the camp of the Philistines. One went north toward Oprah in the land of Shaua. Another went west to Bet Horan. And the third moved toward the border above the valley of Seboim near the wilderness. There was no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to Philistine blacksmith. The charge works as follows. A quarter of an ounce of silver for sharpening a plowshare or a pick, and an eighth of an ounce for sharpening an axe or a sickle or an ox goat. So on that day, the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. The pass at Michmash had meanwhile been secured by a contingent of the Philistine army. Okay, John 7, 1 through 30. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can't do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go. But you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I am not going. 
to this festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There were a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argue he is a good man, but others say he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they asked. So Jesus told them, My message is not my own. I come from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, You're demon-possessed. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. But you worked on the Sabbath, too, when you obeyed Moses' law and circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcision your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as to not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is, speaking in public, and they say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he is the Messiah? But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from. When the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one knows. No one will know where he is coming from. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I am not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But I know him because I come from him, and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. All right, I'm going to read Psalms 107 and 108. 107 says, Take to heart the evidence of your own life of the Lord's faithful love. Take to heart the evidence in your own life of the love of our faithful Lord. Express to God your confidence in Him before you make your requests. Amen. Okay, give thanks to the Lord, Psalm 107. For He is good, His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from the east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their troubles, and He rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for His great love and for the wonderful things He has done for them. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron and chains of misery. <clears throat> they reveled against the swords of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. 
Some were fools. They reveled and suffered for their sins. They could, couldn't stand the thought of food, and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried out in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, <clears throat> snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them sing. Let them offer sacrifice of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, playing the trade routes of the world, flying. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive work on the deepest sea. He spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waters, the waves. What a blessing was the, that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But he also turns desert into pools of water and dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise families there, and their herd of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Amen. Now we read Psalm 108. It says uh, to verse 13, My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises. With all my heart, wake up, lear and heart. I will awake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Now rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. God has promised this by his holiness. I will drive up Shechem with joy. I will divide up Shechem with joy. I will measure out the value of Sukkah. Gilead is mine and Manasseh too. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors. And Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings. My Moab, my washman, will become my servant. And I will wipe my feet in, on Edom and shout in triumph over Philistia. Who will bring me in the fortified city? Who will bring me victory over Edom? Have you rejected us, O God? Will you no longer march with our armies? Oh, please help us against our enemies, for all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things. He will trample down our foes. And Proverbs. We have Proverbs. 15, 1 to 3, and 4. A gentle answer deflects anger, for harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of fools belches out foolishness. 
The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Thank you for coming on today's podcast. Really appreciate you. May God continue to bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Amen.